this may seem uh, really gushy, but making sure that your people feel valued, making sure that they feel valued. And how do you do that? You provide feedback. Feedback that is that pertains to what they actually do versus giving something that's ambiguous saying, oh, you did a good job. OK, but what specifically did I do a good job in or what specifically um, could I have done better? So employee employees are looking for feedback that also helps with uh, the retention rates because I want to feel valued. I don't necessarily need you to pat me on the back and say, oh, you did a good job. And, you know, and you give me a gift card. No, I want to know what specifically did I do to help um, drive the bottom line? What exactly did I specifically do to uh, save a budget? What did I do? Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. I know we're all tired of talking about the many reasons for the great resignation. Unemployment in May continued for the third month in a row at 3.6%, and the U.S. economy gained 390,000 jobs. About 3% of the working population, that's 4.4 million people, voluntarily quit their jobs in April. That may not seem like a lot, but on an annualized basis, that's over a third of the U.S. labor market. So the employment market is definitely a seller's market. But my guest today says employers would be better off focusing less on the great resignation and begin talking about the great retention. Dr. Dwan Bryant is an industrial organizational psychologist with the Tarrant County College District, where she helps customize workforce solutions for area companies. She is also a cult, a coach, not a cultist. She is also a coach, consultant, and a facilitator. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Dwan. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me on the Good Morning HR Show. I appreciate the invite, and uh, I'm ready to uh, share some information that should be vital to our trending workforce. So, yeah, let's start with your day job, which sounds like my dream job. <laughs> How do you and TCCD help employers improve their workforces? Well, first of all, Mike, we have to have those critical conversations that uh, many people aren't willing to have. So employers invite us in uh, to have those um, conversations where we're pulling back layers so we can get to the root of the root cause of the issue of what's happening within their particular um, workforce. And so um, what we do is we create a, a plan after we find out what the root cause is so that we can counter uh, those um those retention rates to make sure that they're rising rather than decreasing. And so after we do that, we deploy our deliverables and we do wraparound programs where we come back and find out, did that strategy actually work? And if it didn't, we go back to the drawing, plan, the drawing board. So what we're trying to do, Mike, is we're not only just trying to retain uh, employees, but we're also trying to retain a process and a strategy that is proven and that actually works so that the workforce, so our clients 
uh, workforce is thriving and going beyond uh, their business goals. So it's primarily, you're primarily working with employers and they can, when they bring you issues, it's about how do I keep my people? Is it, or do you also work on the recruitment side? How do I attract people and things like that? Or is it mostly on the retention side? So it's mostly on the retention side. We um, don't really, uh, we don't address uh, recruitment issues. However, we do um, talk a little bit about onboarding and how our, once you um, bring your your employees on, what's the next step? So initially, okay. I know in some cases, some employers, um, once they review the resume, you know, the resume is what determines what type of skill sets they're able to use within that job role or those responsibilities. And so once they step on the other side of the table and they're actually hired, um, our job is to find out, are they equipped to do their job? A lot of times uh, employees come on board, they, they on board and they get a, a two, three day online or some video presentation that try that introduces them to the company, uh, company's culture and some of the things that they, sh- they can expect. But it doesn't deeply define what exactly how, how exactly they can be an asset to the organization using their uh, talents. So that that whole retention process starts on day one with the onboarding. Then. Yes, it does. Day one. Um, see, this is what I've always uh, mentioned to employers when they're onboarding their employees. This is a good time to talk about the culture and core values. So oftentimes core values are only mentioned once. And usually if, if the um, higher uh, the hiree is asking the question about what is the culture like within that organization. Otherwise, we don't hear about it again until their issues um, break out within that organization. Now we bring in the cleanup person. We bring in someone who can now address those issues where we can counter it at the beginning and just uh, start talking about uh, how to build the culture within that employee so they don't create their own mini culture at the water cooler. So when you're talking about the great retention, mm-hmm. how is that different than the great resignation and, and why do you use that term? And so the great retention is where you sustain, you retain your talent for succession planning, right? So we're not only just gaining you know, these great talents, but how do we see them long term within the organization? So let me give you an example. So you may um, hire a talent that starts at the bottom. Maybe they're at uh, some type of um, entry level position. Right. But as you continue to scout their abilities and their talents and you find out, well, where else could this work within our org or within our uh, in creating a in some type of efficient way where we can um, create a better process in this department. So not just looking at them as an entry level worker, but where else can they fit in the master plan of the next five years of that company? So, so mapping out early how they can b- grow into a different kind of, or a bigger contributor uh, to the organization's success. Well, absolutely. Uh, Because once you identify that that talent is a long-term asset, 
that's where the engagement, the employee experience is important. So at the ground level of their experience, they're already deciding if you are a good fit for them. And they look at culture, they look at communication, they look at uh, if you're providing them the resources so that they can be successful, are they being sabotaged in their efforts to provide the best type of uh, service within their roles? And so it really does start at the very beginning, at the moment when they say yes to the position. And then they try to decide, you know, is this fulfilling for me and my purpose as I align my business objectives and my personal objectives together? And does it give me the type of satisfaction I need that creates a desire to continue to work along with this company. So people, the, the, you mentioned a number earlier where, uh, and I'm just going to contextually bring a little more con context to those uh, percentages, but it was actually 4 million people between April and July of 2021 that, dis that called it quits. They fired their employer, which left a, a black hole in 4,000 companies that let go of talent that they really could have retained if they started early on on how to engage them. So let's talk about that. Def define employee engagement for me. Uh, I hear that you hear that term all the time, and I've got my definition. But I, I, what is what's your uh, your 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 definition of an engaged employee? So, if I can just be honest, employee engagement is overrated. We okay. are, we're, we're saying it, but we're not doing it. So employee engagement means at the seams of an operation that that employee is completely aware and dedicated of what they need to do to bring positive um, input to the company's bottom line. So when I'm engaged, I'm motivated, I'm inspired, I'm equipped and I uh, and I'm committed. So when I'm engaged, that means that there is an intrinsic motivation that I don't it doesn't matter if I get a uh, Starbucks gift card. I'm coming to work on time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I get an Olive Garden, you know, bottomless salad um, certificate. I'm coming to work because I love what I do. So it's not about the carrot or the stick. It's more about uh, I get I get to go do this every day. Yeah, because it's in alignment with my my yeah. life purpose. It's in alignment yeah. with what I love to do. That's a much more colorful and uh, attractive the, uh, definition than the, I always talk about uh, engagement as being the ability uh, employees' uh, willingness to give their discretionary effort. Uh, to get the job done. So it's not just I'm coming in, punching my clock, sitting my eight hours, doing what you have to do not to fire and what I have to do to not to get fired and then go home at the end of the day and don't think about, you know, and, and don't get, you know, I'm just doing this for the paycheck. Well, there's an intentionality. There's an intentionality that goes along with me, um, whether I'm a punch the clock employee or I'm a salaried employee, but there's something intrinsically in th that, that is greater than what externally can provide benefits in me uh, doing my job. And I no longer see it as a job. I see it as a career. 
Yeah. So I see it as my yeah. life's purpose. I see it as um, something that brings satisfaction to me as a human being. So what do you see? I mean, you talk to a lot of employers and you don't have to name names, but uh, what do you see? No, well, but you're welcome to. I love a little, I love to dish a little bit, but um, what's the biggest mistake you see employers making on the engagement front when they're, when, you know, when you're, you see how they interact with their employees and you see the way they build their cultures and design their jobs and all of that, what mistakes do you see them make that, that negatively impacts uh, engagement? Transparency. Authenticity. You? So, you know, uh, transparency in regards of information. Employees want to be fully informed of changes that's happening within their organization. And so... If I'm an employee, I don't want to hear it secondhand. I don't, I don't want to hear secondhand information at the water cooler. I don't want to hear secondhand information at the uh, happy hour. I want to find out directly from my CEO, my president, my executive vice president, you know, the leader um, of the organization. I want to find out firsthand what's happening. And uh, the authenticity is you being real and honest. And, and if you don't know, just say you don't know and not making something up to appear to be knowledgeable in an area where you still need more information yourself. So is that, is that good news and bad news? Uh, what kind of information should the leadership be sharing? Well, it's good news and bad news. It's information uh, shared from the leadership should be information that's going to directly impact that person within their role or in their position um, rather than them finding out, uh, you know, how we find out and go and we no longer can use that technique. We need to know exactly what's happening so we can uh, pivot quickly. We can be more agile. Uh, before before it's laying on your on your desk, before somebody's thrown that, pulled the pin on that hand grenade and thrown it across the desk and told you, hey, we've got, a, you know, the, the organization's in trouble or, yes. or we've got these opportunities or whatever, knowing in advance. And that makes sense. But I think a lot of leaders are, are kind of nervous about sharing information with their employees that may be negative. I don't want them to get nervous and quit. So, you know, how do I share that with them? So those are called critical conversations. And so uh, one of the things that I recommend is having um, and rather than, you know, closet conversations that it should be openly shared for everyone to hear the same information at the same time. And that's one of the uh, error communication errors that uh, employers uh, take is I'll just tell one person, the person that I trust, you know, within the organization that may not even um, be someone that works directly with them, but they're they like their personality, they're a good person, they can hold a secret. But what happens is it creates division within your within your team. And so when the employer has critical information that needs to be shared, that's going to impact those workers in their positions, everybody needs to hear the same thing at the same time. So no more closet conversations, no more private conversations where uh People are speculating, you know, what's happening, what's matriculating, you know, within the organization. But I'm hearing it directly from the leader. And if I have questions, and this is a part of critical conversation as well. If I have questions, be open and honest about, you know, at the level that you feel like where you're not incriminating yourself. 
but at the level, right, at the level where you can freely share the information, because sometimes information is shared in phases based on how it is given to the leader. And so, mm-hmm. but sharing on, open and honestly with those employees, so they're not Googling it, they're not going elsewhere to see if, you know, um, what's really happening. And now they're coming back and providing false um, evidence of, what they've learned about the organization. And uh, so, but the critical conversations, the critical conversations is what's needed. Um, if a leader wants to be uh, impactful to their team. So you said transparency, then I cut you off and right as you said, authenticity. What what does authenticity mean to you? So an authentic, an authentic leader is someone who leads with their heart. And that's the human the human centric side of them where people see them as relatable, they see them as a person, they see them possibly not always having all the answers because I think where the lead, where leaders falter is that they believe that they have to to be um, all knowing. And there are some points where you can safely say, I, I don't know at this moment, but I'll find out. We'll, we'll find out together. We'll work through this together rather than um, being in a silo as a leader, feeling like you have to wear the cape alone. You can distribute other many capes, but still be the leader. Everyone can have a cape, but maybe your cape just signifies that I am going to guide you in a direction that I feel is going to um provide a a light at the end of, of the tunnel for our organization. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Recert Credits. Then select episode 51 and enter the keyword engage. That's E-N-G-A-G-E. And if you're looking for even more recertification credit, check out the webinars page at imperativeinfo.com. I have 10 hours of recorded webinars, each approved for an hour of recertification credit by both HRCI and SHRM. Three are even approved for HRCI business credit and one qualifies for ethics credit. You can access all of these webinars for free at imperativeinfo.com. And now back to my conversation with Dr. Dwan Bryant. So transparency, authenticity, what else do we need to really focus on if, if we're, as we try to build engaged employees? Well, I think also uh, it's really important that we have programs that helps us to retain um, our, our our talent. And so team building type programs or activities where we're making sure that everyone uh, is on the same page. So what happens often is when we don't have uh, those type of programs or initiatives in place on uh, in our organizations, we lose people. You know how they talked about um, no child left behind when we had mm-hmm. that reading initiative and making sure that you know everybody was in alignment 
with the vision of making sure that every child could read. Well, it's the same thing in the workplace, making sure that every employee is on board because we can be in meetings and we can just assume looking at the nonverbals, thinking that that person is engaged, but the next day they put in their resignation. What could you have done differently to prevent that? And that's have not only having those critical conversations, but something in place. Some in those are also I'll mention this. I know this. I'm moving a for uh, I'm moving quickly, but those stay interviews. Mm-hmm. Those are I'm a critical. big believer. Yeah, the I think those are more important than exits. Even yeah, yeah. The stay interviews allows you to look inside of the intention of that employee. Do they? Don't be afraid to ask. Hey, where are you? Those organizational. Um, temperature checks. Where are you? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you still um, excited about being a part of this organization? Do you still enjoy your role? Don't be afraid to ask those questions because um, if you don't, they'll vent outside. And what happens is stifles your recruitment processes because now, because word of mouth is very powerful. People will start talking about the organization. Uh, Well, they'll talk about you first as the leader and then They'll just equate the leader as the organization. So when they say that they're um, dismissive, they're 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 not. Although they may say the leader is dismissive, but they'll say the organization is dismissive because you're representation of what you lead, of what you know that brand that you uh, claim to be so great. So your representation of that. So when you have those state interviews, you get a full insight to what that employer or the employee is, excuse me, employee is thinking about the organization, thinking about the role and namely about you as a leader, how well you're doing. And so those, I would guess you typically those kind of interviews are um, some sort of anonymous or 360 feedback that, that comes in that doesn't necessarily name a specific employee to a certain sentiment or are you are you looking for uh something more like in a one-to-one uh conversation with a supervisor and an employee talking about those kinds of things so one of my favorite organizational experts is uh, patrick lencioni and he talks about yes. this 360 um assessment where you're able to do it anonymously and then the leader gets the information back and he finds out how he's really truly doing as a leader among his team now one of my recommendations um because uh sometimes on a survey like that uh you you lose the human side of sitting across the table with someone and having a conversation and so one of my recommendations is scheduling a time, maybe even it's during your review. And that's a great time to have that conversation. You know, how am I doing as a leader? How well have I been leading you in your uh, position? Or Because now it's just you and I. And so we can talk candidly about, you know, am I doing a good job as uh, leading you? You know, and of course, you have to be um, discerning of who you ask that question to, because you may have someone on your team that is just really not a good fit. And they may um, see you as a bad leader all the way around, even if you've done everything you could do to um, help them to feel like a part of the team. And so that's that, you know, weeding process. You have to be, you know, careful. Of course, you want to ask everyone, but, you know, think about those that are one foot out, one foot in, or maybe both feet out, but they, you know, they're there, but they're not present. 
So being careful on how you position that when you're asking those questions about how you're doing as a leader. But the 360 assessment is great too. So it's a mix between the two. We want to do an overall organizational temperature to see what's going on. But what's engaged for one employee may not be engaged for another. So those one-to-one conversations are, are really important. How do you train your managers to have good one-to-one conversations, though? I imagine that's one of the interventions y'all y'all get involved with. Um, and how do, how do you get those to not be just check boxes where we just say, yeah, I did it and I'll do it again next quarter and I'll move on? So one of our recommendations is the DISC training, which is a uh, leadership profile assessment where um, it helps you to examine how well you interact and communicate with others. And so one of our recommendations, I think, for every team is to um, to take a DISC assessment. You find out who's on your bus, who's on your team, and you find out the different personalities that clash, the different personalities that work well together. And um, so it's a great assessment to really even find out, you know, uh, from, you know, leader to worker, you know, are they a good fit for that department under that leader, you know, and so doing a little bait and switch to make sure that everyone is on the same page personality wise, (coughs) excuse me, that everyone is on the same page personality wise. And if someone isn't a good fit, I mean, you don't want to just throw them away. You find out where you can plant them, where they can be a the best at what they do and so that they can thrive. Right. Uh, and I think you're so on, on point there. I'm a giant believer in behavioral assessments. Um, first time I, you know, I've been in HR longer than I care to admit. And back in the early nineties, when we first fooled with them in the employment area uh, and, and, and some of the comp- you know culture building efforts we did, I was really skeptical because mm-hmm. the, I don't think the science was there. I think once we've, the more data they've got, the more they validated a lot of that and mm-hmm. and the better technology that's there to quickly give responses. Uh, and there's just a lot better training for managers on how to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, but when I took, I took one, uh, you know, the first modern one I took was probably 15, 20 years ago. And it was liberating for me because, uh, you know, quite honestly, it was all the thing. I'm I'm horrible at detail. I've been horrible at detail my whole life. I am not a detail person. I'm a fast decision maker. Uh, I do not. You know, I am not somebody. I know what the answer is long before I've worked out the reasons why it's the answer. And so I beat myself up all these years in the first part of my career around those kind of issues. And then I saw what it is, and it says, "Oh, here's what your advantages are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're decisive." You, you, you're really good with people, you know how to communicate, you're, you're you know, uh, people, you know, you earn trust, uh, you empathize, and, uh, and you, but here's where you struggle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is where I struggle, but I've got all this other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And so now my people know, do not send Mike an email with 15 paragraphs and three graphs, because mm-hmm. it ain't gonna get read. But send me four bullet points or six bullet points and I'll read it and respond. And if I need more information, I'll ask for it. But that's, that makes a giant difference. And I know who in my team now needs that detail. And most of my people are real detail or, you know, cause they're doing background checks. They're writing reports all day long, dealing with a lot of data. I, 
shoot myself if I had to do that work all day long. But they're great at it. And they would hate my job. They would hate being at conferences and speaking and doing all the things that I do. Um, but our organization needs both, right? Yeah. And so, and they know it's on them to communicate in a way that I can understand it. And it's on me to communicate with them the way they need it. So when I have to communicate to my people, I know they're going to need all this detail. These are very, you know, when we, we create a new process in the organization, I know because of their profiles that these are folks who are really good at what they do, but they need me to tell them to put tab A in slide A. They don't like the ambiguity. Ah, oh, just figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. It's how I live, man. I fly by the seat of my pants. Yes. So <laughs> You're an I, Mike. You're an I. Yeah, I am. I'm a high D and a high I, a low S, a low C. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think you're right. Um and, and do y'all do that that kind of training too with 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 your clients at TCCD? Absolutely, absolutely. So we use uh, we've used that data even with our own team, um, and it really has improved um, our communication efforts between the leader and, and the cohorts um, in, within our organization. So it really is a great tool to find out you know where do I fit, you know, on the team, number one, and then number two, you know, who do I have the best interactions with? Because it's important when you're uh, going to work, you want to, you want to be able to um, be able to communicate well with your coworkers. Mm -hmm. You, you know, it's almost like a second home because you spend the most time away from home. And so you want to um, have great interactions because that could be the difference between you staying and leaving, even just with one coworker that appears to be a bully, but maybe they're not a bully. Maybe um, they're just misunderstood uh, based on uh, how you approach them. And so some D's, which are that, that dominant, well, I'm talking about DISC now, um, yeah. those dominant personalities, uh, that they do need the I to balance them. But then you have a person who is an S who's who is steadfast and they're kind of slow in making decisions that irritates a D, which is a dominant personality. And so now you have friction and now you have a clash there. And so when you know that, uh, and one of the things I love about the DISC uh, training, it provides um, it, it provides guidance on how to approach a D on how the how they can work together. And so that's one of the significance of being able to take that uh, personality profile assessment, because it really does make a huge difference in that communication uh, piece. Communication can either make or break an organization. And so if you're investing in your people to find out, okay, how well of a communicator are you? Because you may have someone driving a bus who uh, is not good with directions. And so now we're, they're just flying at the seat of pants, right? They're just trying to um, into, uh, they're trying to, uh, find out uh, how to get from point A to point B, but they're not willing to look at the map. So that person probably should not be driving the bus, right? (laughs) So I'm going to tell you where we want to go and you got to drive the bus for me, right? Yeah, yeah, we need someone who uh, pays more attention to detail. So that would be that S or that that C. So yeah, it's, it's very important. And being able to retain talent, you need to know who's on your team. You need to know, uh, who is more outspoken. You need to know who loves more of the behind the scenes type work because sometimes we'll put that person out front and they freeze. And so we say that they're insubordinate or they're insurrective and and, and they're rebelling against leadership. And so we're creating 
things that do doesn't really exist because why we didn't know who they really were underneath. Right. Yeah. I've got a, uh, your classic high D versus high S story. I, I was at a probably 15 years ago in a senior, my senior staff meeting and we, there was a problem and I said, here's what we need to do to solve it. And, uh, one of my team members kept pushing back mm -hmm. and we'd walk. So we walked through the process and she was just really committed to this other and this other alternative. And it wasn't a wrong alternative. It just wasn't the one that I wanted to go with. And I write the paycheck. I sign the paychecks, but she kept pushing and pushing. And I finally said, because I'm the boss, damn it. And so <laughs> I know. And so, uh, then I immediately apologized, uh, to her and said, sorry, that was, you know, I just, I was frustrated. And she apologized too, because she knew that, you know, um, it, you know, she had pushed beyond probably what was good. But then about a week later, I come to the office and there's a coffee mug and I've still, I wish I had it right here. Uh, it's uh, on the coffee mug. It says, because I'm the boss, damn it. And she put it on my, she, she had it printed up and put on my, and she gave it to me on my desk and it was in good fun, but it was, uh, yeah, but that's your, your typical high D. Uh, and your high S who wants to think through every detail and go step by step, those high S, high C's. And so, uh, but yeah, I believe big in, in all of that. What else, what other interventions are helpful? And uh, when you, when you realize, you know, my folks aren't engaged, what else do y'all help uh, companies implement? Well, one of the things, and this may seem uh, really gushy, but making sure that your people feel valued, making sure that they feel valued and how do you do that? You provide feedback. Feedback that is that pertains to what they actually do versus giving something that's ambiguous saying, oh, you did a good job. OK, but what specifically did I do a good job in or what specifically um, could I have done better? So employee employees are looking for feedback that also helps with uh, the retention rates because I want to feel valued. I don't necessarily need you to pat me on the back and say, oh, you did a good job. And, you know, and you give me a gift card. No, I want to know what specifically did I do to help um, drive the bottom line? What exactly did I specifically do to uh, save a budget? What did I do? And so providing mm -hmm. substantial feedback, not watered down feedback. And when I say watered down, meaning that you just give a uh, something cliche. Oh, great job. And you keep walking. Okay. But you, sir, if, even if you can't at that moment, unpack great job, circle back and say, you know, what I meant it, not allowing and not waiting for the employee to ask for more information. And that's where, uh, because 75% of the workforce is very frustrated with their leadership because they don't provide good feedback. And so that is a great tool in not only doing a temperature check, and not only retaining your your uh, your your uh, workforce, but help them to feel valued. A person want to feel like they matter in everything that they do when they're giving their all within their uh, their positions. Well, uh, and that's one that I probably I'm gonna have to apologize to my senior team at our next <laughs> meeting on Friday um, because I I'm like, hey, that was a great job. We got that done. I really appreciate it. Good job. But but what you're saying is is what did they do to make it a good job and really get into that. And, you know, again, every employee uh, doesn't need that. Every employee doesn't need that, but some employees depending on a part, you right. know, looking at that disc model where they fall, you know, and I would need something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, AC may need something like that. D's and S is not necessarily, but uh, 
they want to know what specifically did I do to create that type of response in you? Oh, I just rhymed right there. Yes, they want to know. I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. That's right. Uh, That's good. (laughs) That's going to cost you. Okay. (laughs) What other, any other interventions that are really uh, useful to to employers? The last thing that I would uh, just really resolve is looking at, I wrote it down, looking at um, really, and this is really going back to the same thing that we had mentioned before, um, looking at the root causes, exploring, um, you know, the, I'm going to say something, but I may get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyways, you know, the, uh, how well they're being paid to do their job, you know, does it deserve a, a, a bump up in, in compensation or, uh, or their, uh, are there more training opportunities for me to um, promote within the company looking for those opportunities? So I'm, I don't feel pigeonholed into one type of job. And I think one of the things I'm seeing is uh, just in my observation, employees, they get inside of a role, they master it. I mean, they do real well. At, they're really good at what they do and it's hard to duplicate them. So they become um, chained to mm-hmm. that role and there's no possibility for promotion because you, right. you're good at this. We, and they max out in, 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 uh, in pay, but they remain there. And then now they've trained themselves to believe that's all that they can do within that organization. And so, and it, the manager's it, thinking how much it's going to cost them, how much pain it'll be to train a new person and get them up else. to speed and all that. And so, those people just get stuck in in their in quicksand. They can't go do something. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've definitely seen that. Yeah. Well, speaking to that lack of opportunity, because a person wants to see, you know, where they stand long term within a company. What if the, your company may be the only company uh, that they're entertaining a retirement? I'm going to give my all into this company. I'm going to support this brand. I'm going to make sure that I help um, make, that I help improve, you know, any areas of deficiencies within that organization. And I I did something great to move the needle forward. Wow, that's great, and that's a great way to close it. That's all the time we have. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Dwan. That went by fast. Thank you so much for engaging me in this conversation because. It's, you know, it's happening. It's a real thing um, within the workforce. And we need to make sure as employers that we're doing all that we can to keep the talent that's already within our organization. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up.